0: Hello Annie Trenders, welcome to the Grotaku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by...
1: Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes.
0: So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about another trope dissection. Today, we will be dissecting the trope of fated rivals and enemies. I do want to note that this isn't an anime specific trope at all. In fact, if we kind of look back at mythology, that sort of fatal, fated rival enemies might have very well started from mythology itself, which mythology was created before Christ BC. So this trope has been around for a while. Humans have really, really liked to utilize this for anime or sorry, utilize this for stories. But for anime in particular, this trope is most commonly found in shonen stories. And so probably one of the most iconic and famous one is Sasuke and Naruto from Naruto. I mean, those two are literal reincarnations of two brothers who were fated to fight all the time. And so and that by itself, uh, Kishimoto actually borrowed from um, actual Japanese mythology of two gods of two gods who are fated essentially to always be mortal enemies, uh, and so today we're going to talk about this particular trope that usually shows up more in shonen stories and shonen anime adaptations itself. My personal stance of this particular trope is I actually don't mind it, obviously because I love mythology and this trope has been around for forever. But there is one particular usage of this trope that I really dislike and it's in sports. Sports anime really, really likes to use the whole fated rivals, eternal enemies sort of things. And that's the one place where I'm like, I just don't feel it. I kind of always think it's very forced and superficial. And I actually quickly tend to lose uh, interest in sports anime because of this very trope sort of default demanding the attention of the whole story and I would argue that for a very very long time the main plot of every sports anime had always been these two players who are rivals and they were always meant to be rivals because one had this skill and the other one was this it's the whole like artists versus technicians sort of thing and that's why they'll always be fighting and stuff like that and it's just like the second I see that in any sports anime I just I get tired and I just quickly discard it so that's probably an instant of what of just an overall blanket genre of a case where I just don't like the usage of that trope whatsoever However, with that being said, the one bad example of this trope I do want to talk about is one that sort of disappointed me because I actually thought it started off well and then it sort of derailed as it continued. And that is Moriarty and Sherlock from Moriarty the Patriot. And so this Moriarty and Sherlock is Fated Enemies. That's a tale as old as time that started from the original Sherlock, the uh, original Sherlock book series. And so I was expecting that when I went into Moriarty the Patriot. And like I said, I actually liked the way it started because I think the sort of cat and mouse game the two were playing in the first season in particular was very well done. There was the, and then there was this confrontation between the two in the train that I absolutely loved. Like I would actually rewatch that scenes because I liked that scene so much and the interaction between those two where essentially Sherlock is saying like, I know you are the person responsible for all the things that have been happening, but you have kept, the crime scene too clean for me to ever purposefully pin it on you is the thing. And Moriarty basically mocks him back, and it's filled with tension, sexual tension to be completely honest, but filled with tension of Moriarty essentially being like, "It sounds like you want me to be the bad guy," but even at the end, essentially confirming that he really is in a very indirect way. But basically, is like, "You gotta, you gotta work faster if you're real, if you really want to catch me and find that evidence." So. I thought the setup of it was really well done but where it derailed for me is in season two. Now I know season two had its fair share of issues in the mere fact that the manga is a lot longer. There's a lot so basically the anime wrapped everything up in two seasons but in the manga it went on for quite a much longer time so they skipped through a lot of things. But speaking as an anime only like just look you're supposed to be able to judge a media separate from its original source material and judging it in the second season it was disappointing because it the rivalry was very contrived by the fact that at the end of the day Sherlock was sort of like this playing piece in Moriarty's hand and even the parts where like Sherlock is smart and he figures things out it's then revealed that oh but Moriarty wanted him to figure it out and stuff like that and immediately that just cheapens the whole experience of the fated rival and enemies that the first uh, season set up really well that seemed to be very legit like immediately loses its legit legitimacy and even at the very end where it's like Sherlock even finds out about the fact that he's being used as part of a playing piece to Moriarty it's just like like that was also because Moriarty wanted him to find out and specifically was like you need to play your part for this role for this whole thing to be complete etc etc and I just thought that was disappointing in the way they used it especially with once again how well they set up and even with the fact that I feel like Sherlock as a character was absolutely capable of doing of being actually Moriarty's equal rather than just playing along with Moriarty's games. So that is the first bad example or that is the bad example I have in regards to this particular trope. And uh, Agnes, I know you uh, you kind of watched the first season. I don't even know if you finished the second season. And Isabel, I don't actually even know if you've seen the anime at all. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think.
1: Uh, do you want to go first, Isabel? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the series, although I've watched other, like kind of like live actions of Sherlock, so in different forms. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The rivalry always comes in a little later, um, in those series, and so I find it different that you had you um saw that it was a good setup in the beginning, and I don't know. I also think later on the the kind of like the things that happen or the game, mind games that they play are not maybe not as interesting as seasons go on and would you have liked to see more of you know Sherlock I have usually like seeing Sherlock kind of like doing his own you know thoughts but I guess Oh,
0: I should have mm-hmm. clarified this. Sorry. Uh actually Sherlock is not the main character in Moriarty the oh. Patriot. It's actually Moriarty who is uh,
1: Oh, so that's a I guess that's a different perspective altogether then. Yes, um,
0: exactly. Hmm.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Okay. Then I want to know what Agnes thinks because you you've seen some of the first uh part of the series, right?
2: I've seen a good chunk of Moriarty the Patriot, and I think I got derailed during the season because I was too busy with other things and I forgot to catch up. Um but I definitely saw a lot of the screen caps and a lot of um fans, especially the more uh, a lot of female fans being really excited about the sexual tension between Moriarty and Sherlock. It's Somewhat of a different interpretation now that we're kind of like spinning it on Moriarty's view rather than Sherlock's view. Because the majority of, at least the original Sherlock Holmes, right, is always in Sherlock's point of view. Yes, And he always sees Moriarty as the villain or the antagonist who is constantly making his crimes very, very clean to the point that nobody can track him. And that's what sets him up as his rival, considering how... I don't know, dramatic Moriarty is as a character for this type of anime, which is in his perspective. I can kind of see why it feels a little bit off-putting that he kind of doesn't make Sherlock as his equal, but sees him as like, oh, you understand me. And then Sherlock just kind of goes with it. It's an interesting interpretation, but I can see why you get a little bit annoyed with the fact that it's not truly the greatest setup of two great minds think alike and that they have to, like, battle each other out instead of, like, finding that weird, like, middle ground because that's what it seems like Moriarty the Patriot is doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I I, that's exactly what I want is I'm actually even fine with the resolution if they had just given me a little more of that battle, you know? But it was like that Mm -hmm. battle just completely disappeared after the first season. Like, the first season is the only time you actually see the two of them having mind tricks and battling. And then everything in the second season, it's like, oh, but Moriarty planned for this. Oh, but Moriarty planned for this. Everything was Moriarty planned for and I'm just like well that's that's not interesting <laughs> you know what I mean so
2: <laughs> yeah and then at that point like Sherlock just kind of like resigns to it versus like in the actual like novels written by uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, like Sherlock is relentless going after Moriarty because he's like, this man makes my mind run in circles, but he's also got to be stopped at some point.
0: Exactly, exactly. And like, I think they can still even, or really they stop stressing on the fact that part of the reason why Sherlock keeps going after Moriarty is also because Sherlock gets bored and Moriarty's kind of fun to go after because he's hard to track down, so... (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so that is my example of one that I started out liking, but didn't like the usage of the whole faded rivals and enemies at the very end. So it's specifically related to the second season. Uh, the one that I do very like, and I will go to the end of my days of liking, and going back to the whole sports genre that I was referring to, is Hinata and Kageyama from...
2: I can't believe you stole mine. Huh? <laughs> it's been a while. You actually stole one oh, of Oh no! Okay. I hope you have some backups. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll see. We will okay, see. okay. I mean,
0: we can talk about this together. But wait, yeah. It, yeah, was yeah, it yeah, one yeah, yeah. that you liked or disliked?
2: One that I liked. Okay,
0: okay, so. okay. I just wanted to hear. This uh, guy was like, because we can argue if we need to. So,
2: no, no, uh, no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. Uh,
0: so basically, I really like Hinata and Kagayama. I feel like even at the very beginning, they kind of twisted the trope on its head because the way it was set up is, you know, they were on opposing middle school teams and Hinata had a humiliating defeat on Kageyama's side and Kageyama was being a little, you know, a little bee about it because he hasn't learned social manners yet. And, but even then like Kageyama deep down knows that Hinata has something special going on. So everything from the start, makes it set up like they were going to be eternal rivals and then kirata runs into the gym of his high school on his first day and who does he see there actually his in eternal rival on the same team or trying out to be in the same team as him so that by itself already flips the trope on its head because you know these two players in a general sports anime will always always be on opposing sides of the court is to put simply but instead they force them to be on the same side of the court so that was the first thing as to how they uh how Haikyuu had managed to utilize that trope in a way that's more clever than uh the other ways that um than all the other sports anime but Honestly, I think my favorite thing about Hinata and Kageyama is the fact that they really are kind of set up to be eternal rivals. Like I genuinely believe even though they're on the same team right now, like in the future, they'll probably be on opposite sides of the court and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is they really truly do push each other to be better in a way that's not mean. Because I think one mistake that a lot of shonen and we, this actually kind of reminds me of, you know, when Isabel had mentioned, uh, was it Kirishima? Not Kirishima. Oh, uh, Bakugo from My Hero Academia. Is he the mm-hmm. one who was mean to Deku as a kid?
1: Yes, I mean. Okay,
0: yeah. so... I think a problem that shonen, uh, shonen stories tend to do is similar to Bakugo and Deku is that they're these sort of like rivals sort of thing. One of them tends to actually be genuinely quite mean, where you're just kind of like, I don't really think this is acceptable. And when so when the other side admires them and hmm. uses them as inspiration, you're kind of like, I don't, <laughs> you know, because they're kind because of, they're so mean to each other, but. Kageyama throughout the gap of his middle school and high school year had something very big happen to him. And he has taken a very, very big change to heart. So even though at the very, very beginning when the two of them don't know each other, Kageyama truly was kind of was mean. By the start of high school, he isn't. And any time that he is socially or emotionally insensitive... He's trying, he's really, really trying, and uh, like one of the cutest parts is when, uh, when essentially uh, Suga san tells uh, Kageyama to be the main setter of the group of the team. Kageyama was all like, Are you sure? Like, you know, I, I, I have to earn like the team's respect and stuff like that because he knows he's messed up in the past and that isn't what he wants to be. And so, the way that their rivalry are set up to me is also a lot more. I don't know, emotionally fulfilling, because it's like, okay, I get why these two are pushing each other to be better. One of them is just not incessantly mean to the other person. They're genuinely like trying to get trying to be better than the other person in a way that feels like genuine friendship and genuine support. And so That is also a big reason why I liked Hinata and Kageyama's usage of this particular trope. So, Agnes, what about you? Like, you know, why did you pick this one as one of your favorites?
2: I also like this one too, because it's a it's a very interesting twist of fate Mm. that they end up on the same team and that they weren't expecting it and that they have to kind of deal with the circumcise. And it doesn't feel as contrived of a plot where it's the quote-unquote resolution of the fated rivals like making up to each other or like a common middle uh ground so it's like an interesting subversion of course like later on they do end up in different teams in the epilogue and they still see each other as rivals but it makes more sense because they know their strengths and weaknesses and now that they're on opposite sides of the court they can try to I don't know exploit that <laughs> but also have the the most fun because they know very intimately that each that the two of them are on par with each other. Mm. Um so I thought that was a really interesting setup like looking back into Haikyuu of how they end up together on the same team they're forced to make amends with each other and they will Continue to be on opposite teams, but they will continue to have fun with each other in the nearby future. Because it's one thing to say that in in especially in a sports anime that when you're friends, you're friends mm. for life. But the reality of a sports competition or any kind of sports that you do, whether it's like a martial art or, or it's a, team, a team sport, there will always be rivalry no matter what. You can respect the person for as good as they are. But you're never going to be like, oh, I don't want to hurt them or, oh, I don't want to outstrip <laughs> them. You want to be like, no, you're going to get your ass beaten to the <laughs> ground. Get, get ready, you know, kind of thing. So it it, it feels more um, organic than it than contrived. Mm-hmm in Haikyuu. That's why I wanted to yeah, point Yeah,
0: and out. that like pulls into real life too because obviously a lot of real life athletes, you know, friends are on opposite teams <laughs> this is what it is.
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or like even countrymen are on opposite teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, uh, for example, like I watch a lot of Korean Englishmen, which is a channel dedicated to Korean cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went to go interview a lot of English footballers, English soccer teams uh in the course of the past couple of years and a lot of there were a lot of Korean people that were on different English teams, right? They obviously know each other because they're Koreans in an English team, but they are also rivals in that sense. They were explicitly picked from their home country to for to, you know, be part of a different country's team. And so as a result, you know, they can bond over the same thing that they love, which is basically their culture and their food, but they also have to be able to respect each other's uh skill set as well while on the field
0: yeah exactly and what about you isabel what did you think of the duel i or i guess like what did you think of also my comparison of the overall trope when i pulled in bakugo and stuff like that as someone who doesn't watch my hero academia of all things
2: i i have words for that later oh, okay I'm okay, okay go on go on <laughs> okay
1: please do because uh, oh
2: no no, no, no but I'll, I'll i'll do that when it's on my turn but i want to hear isabel's thoughts too
1: yeah, I think it's a good comparison because I thought it was going to start off that way as well. Like, Kageyama kind of seemed pretty mean to Hinata when they first started out. I thought it was going to, you know, stay that way for a long time. Um, but obviously, like you said, they're on the same team, so they need to work this out. And they're able to work out kind of their differences. Like, one is kind of, like, perfection, the other one's kind of, you know, rowdy and, like, has his own way of doing things very unique. And I, l- I really like how they grew together as a team and then incorporating everyone else as well and it's not something like Bakugo and deku where now i feel like the relationship is weird oh no
0: i don't like the sound of that i
1: i I think it's good development overall like they're basically they're they're friends now they understand each other but i think the way that it developed into that for me it's just it doesn't feel as organic Mm -hmm. as um as other series so that's the reason why. so
0: my example was aptly used at least is that correct (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay perfect Mm -hmm. yeah no and uh, on that note agnes of what you were saying on you know friends will be on opposite teams and as well as the fact that rivals will be on the same team which is what Hinata and Kageyama used as well. So I just thought, yeah, it's just, I think it's just well done. And, um, and it's cute at the end of the day. And I know, like, I just deep down, I don't read the manga, but I know deep down that I'm like, these two are fated to forever be rivals for each other, but in a way that's actually good and healthy and pushes them. And it's, um, It's just organic, and I I really don't have any other words to describe exactly what makes it so organic and feels organic compared to all the other sports anime I've dabbled in. It's just this one just feels real compared to the rest, so yeah.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Alrighty then, so in that case, Isabel, it is now your turn to talk about this particular trope, so first question, you know, how do you feel about this trope? Is it a like, a dislike, sort of in the middle of how you feel about it,
1: yeah I'm sort of in the middle about it because when it works I do like mm-hmm. it um, and then the problem that I have is when I've seen it in other shows like obviously I was exposed to Naruto and Sasuke first and after watching that I kind of expected it for every other shonen anime out there <laughs> so for me when it doesn't follow the formula like I can't I can't put them in the rivalry box or like I don't know how they are friends or not or like like you said, why is Bakugo treating Deku this way? I don't understand. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is not how this is not the relationship that we had before. So, but now it's interesting to see different iterations of it, and not only just having that same trope being like repeated over and over again in the same way. It might be a little different depending on you know the character and what their abilities are and things like that. Um, but yeah, I do I do always feel like a little rival rivalry is needed just because it's good for competition, mm-hmm. like um, in sports or you know whatever the anime may be with superpowers or things like that so i always think it's a good good idea
0: and if i'm not mistaken isabel you have a little bit of a competitive streak as well (laughs) inside you
1: (laughs) i think i do uh before i really did i feel like in um middle school and things like that i always wanted to be like first in whatever Mm -hmm. i did so i was really competitive over that um and then I think I, I lost my touch over the years. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm fine with just, like, sitting in the back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. So you've yeah. seen several iterations now. So what is one iteration you've seen that just didn't work for you in this regard?
1: Yeah, the one I am going to pull from My Hero, uh, just because I've seen this as well, kind of like the one-sided rivalry. Okay. And this is between Endeavor and All Might.
2: Okay, I had a feeling you were going to mention that one yeah. too. Yeah, that one's a very interesting setup.
1: Yeah, because it never felt like a rivalry, obviously, from All Might's side. Because for him, he's like the number one hero and he's just saving people. He's like doing the best that he can. And I think for him, he believes that all heroes can do the same thing. There's no need for him to be competitive with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he fails to see what other people see behind him, like the number two rival, number three. He's and just stuff like too
0: that. good of an egg, is what he is. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> he's just too strong and just so charismatic compared to Endeavor, which. And then um, in the series, you know, people kind of see Endeavor as kind of the number two hero, but also kind of evil because of the face that he makes. He's not all smiley, like all might. He's very different. And um, his power is like fire, right? Which is usually pretty scary. And so it's like very different when he becomes the number one hero. And people kind of have this feeling that I don't know if I support him or not. And then with the latest season and his um, kind of what his with his family and what he did to his family mm-hmm. is revealed. Like now he's being painted as a, a villain, uh, not really like a hero, and it's hard for people to trust in him. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, for, I think it was kind of sad for Endeavor to think of All Might like that. Um, and then not only that, he kind of gave up on his rivalry before he even started because he knew that he couldn't beat All Might, and so he pushed it onto his kids, and he wanted his kids to become the number one hero to be all might Ugh, and the classic by doing that, he abusive
0: like, parent yeah. <laughs> reaction but gone
1: <laughs> yeah so he like ruined his family over that it's coming back to bite him now in the series um now we know that dobby who's a villain is actually his first son that he lost many years ago or that he thought he lost uh, but he became a villain and um yeah and it's just so sad to see that although i like endeavor now just because it seems like he's trying to make amends to this he's trying he's in in one of the latest episodes he's like crying like i can't believe i did this or something and then his family catches him crying and he's like the type of man who's like really tough and he doesn't cry so i thought it's really funny that his family's like trying to get come together and kind of heal based off of that um and the fact that he's finally acknowledging like his past that he, before he was kind of running away from all these things pushing it on to other people like his wife or his kids instead of him kind of Dealing with his own emotions, um, kind of rather than blaming himself, trying to blame other people for his failure. But really, it's not really a failure. He's just number two. Um, he just wanted to get that number one spot. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the rivalry there. Um, Agnes, you had something to say about Endeavor versus All Might.
2: Yeah, it's it's the the Endeavor backstory is the thing that also throws me off quite a bit because again, mm, it's that mm-hmm. weird cycle of abuse that seems to appear a lot more in my hero so whenever i watch it i'm just kind of like sounds like he started this cycle (laughs) Like, oh yeah obviously yeah obviously i never started this cycle a lot of it is uh, a self-perpetuation of him being quote-unquote second in the heroes list and now he's first because all might eventually dies later on in the series and then he has to deal with the reckoning of his past and stuff like that. Wait, I thought he just—I thought he just
0: retired. Did he actually die? Uh.
1: Uh, I don't know about the manga, but for now he's still alive. He's just
2: weak. Okay. So. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So he's still there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, let's see what else. But yeah, I guess the the fact I guess like rivalry doesn't really make sense for two characters if they don't acknowledge the rivalry themselves. Mm. You know, because otherwise it's just a one-sided jealousy from somebody Ooh, else not really rivalry that's a at good that point.
0: point it's really just jealousy at the end of the day
2: yeah it's just jealousy because at this point like endeavor is like a lot of the heroes that you'll meet in uh, my hero academia the top top heroes like at least like the top 10 heroes they're not jealous of each other's strengths and they're okay and most of them are genuinely okay with the position that they have as a hero obviously there are going to be some characters in uh, my hero who are trying to strive to be better than others, but at the at the most point, like who's the 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 one that flies? Hawks, yeah, uh, Isabel. Hawks actually, yeah,
1: it was revealed that he actually uh, in uh, really liked Endeavor too, so that's interesting.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But he was like satisfied with his position. Mm-hmm. He's not like jealous of Endeavor right he just likes to throw out a lot of very interesting jokes um and jabs at people but Endeavor for all of his credit is extraordinarily jealous of the fact that um All Might was number one for the longest time but All Might was for most of the series was kind of like bro you okay <laughs> he, he was definitely a little bit off put with the fact that uh that Endeavor was just Really, really a bit too much about that whole rivalry and wanting to be in first place. They never had like a proper spar either, too. So yeah. it's just a very interesting matchup of how that works out.
0: So I have some. Uh- news that's unrelated but just I, out of the curiosity I was like huh, I wonder what All Might's MVTI type is um, he's, so he's an ENFJ <laughs> he's actually <laughs> my type so I just thought I'd point that out because I got just it just got in my head
2: <laughs> you thought you could escape did you Gracie <laughs> We should have spotlighted him in the last. In the last <laughs> what I didn't episode. know about
0: him was the thing. So because I don't watch My Hero Academia, it's I think it's mainly because you were talking about how like he really just doesn't care and compare to himself to people and stuff like that. I was like, hmm, that's a that's a little <laughs> that that part right <laughs> there is a little ENFJ because the NFJ the type as a whole they really like do not care <laughs> compared to other people. They just do it themselves or they uh, I think Agnes is the one who talked about this about me. It was like we like or her friends actually is that they compete with themselves rather than um, like with like their past or how they are usually are versus like other people. But anyway, that aside, I was thinking to myself that this is a pretty interesting twist of this trope at the same time because it becomes a lot more insidious, I think, when it when it's like so overwhelming and so uh, what's the right word like so obsessing that it literally turns endeavor into essentially an abusive husband and an abusive uh parent and so did you think that aspect of it was like gives it a little bit of like positives or uh, or as a whole you still just don't like the usage of it
1: i think it was a good twist overall because now we get a lot of development you know with his family and like um, just him as a person like you can actually make amends or at least try to or see how this affects him as a person mm-hmm. Um. so overall I think it was a good twist to have that in there and have all this story behind it and build up to it okay so. but you mm-hmm. just
0: didn't like it when it first came out and you were watching it like it made you uncomfortable and such
1: <laughs> yeah it just didn't make sense to me and um, also the fact that you know it should have been or if there was one then It should have been there, but it seemed like there wasn't at all. And he was pushing it for like no reason. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All
0: right. Got it. I also I have also heard that the one side, the one thing that they had an issue with this whole thing is the fact that they're like, why is Endeavor pushing it so, so hard? Because it's like Mm -hmm. no one else is pushing him about it. Like literally no one else except for himself. So um, so I, I do remember seeing that comment. Alright, so that is an iteration that at first when you watched it, you didn't like it. So what is an iteration that you have really liked? You know, you mentioned that, you know, when it hits well, you really, really
2: like it, so...
1: Yeah, the second one I have is from a sports anime. It's from Ace of Diamond. Um, oh, Ace of Diamonds. Okay, yeah. okay. It's between the two pitchers, and they are on the same team. It's between Age um, Eij- Ajin uh, and Furuya. And, um, yeah, for me, I like you or you said Gracie that you didn't like the sports kind of like type. I wonder if you would like this if you ac- if you if you saw it. Right I will off, admit because...
0: I never touched Ace mm-hmm. of Diamonds. By the time I know about knew about Ace of Diamonds, I've already like sworn off sports anime. So. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Ace of Diamonds is definitely really long as well, but I think yeah, if anyone's interested in watching it, it's it's definitely a longer series, but I really like how these two kind of like um two, you know, pitchers grow together and then also kind of acknowledge each other later on and they're kind of like polar opposites so the other um thing in this trope is kind of like the hot versus or like fire and ice hot and cold type of um rivalry and that's what they have because agent's kind of like the hot headed person and he has a loud mouth and he's you know he talks big and likes to do crazy things and likes to be a show-off at times as well um whereas furia is kind of like quiet he's He's literally from like a colder part of Japan as well. That's always kind of like his thing. Like, oh, I love snow, or I'm from a snowy country, um, and and he and he's super talented as well. And I really like how Ace of Diamond puts um, Agent because Agent is kind of the main character, main protagonist of the series. And so I would expect him to kind of take the lead as a pitcher. But what actually happens is because Furia is just a stronger pitcher altogether and kind of he's able to keep it under control in games, he becomes the main pitcher of the series. Uh, whereas Agent's kind of watching from the sidelines and he, you know, he is like fuming on the inside. Like, why does he get the position? But I don't kind of thing. And so he pushes himself harder um, to, you know, to to do better. And then, you know, from that, he also kind of um, learns his own way to pitch or learns how to control himself as well in certain games because he realizes as a relief pitcher coming in later in the series or later in the game, he also has to play his part. And then so he, he kind of starts acknowledging, you know, the work that Furia does as well as his teammates. Um, and then as Agent gets better at closing out games, he, you know, Furia also looks at towards him as a kind of more teammate type friendly. And so it's kind of cute, like towards the middle of the series where they kind of like, you know, do thumbs up towards each other, like good job and stuff like that. It's very cute. Um, and then Agent sometimes get the gets the main position for later on uh, for later games. So I always found that kind of fun for him because he kind of got to do what he wanted to do um, when he came into the team. And yeah, just between him and maybe other pitchers on other teams as well, I thought that was a good rivalry. And I haven't seen the end of Ace of Diamonds, so I don't know how it ends. But I'm pretty sure. At least, if if it plays out to you know how usual sports anime goes, Asian probably takes the lead and try in doing the best. Um, but for now, I think for, at least from what I've seen, the two are kind of you know pushing each other forward and being competitive, and obviously making the team overall you know better team to compete with. Um, but yeah, did you guys? I don't think Agnes has seen it either, right? Or no, mm-hmm. I just
2: know the title of and the the rivalry between the two pitchers, but nothing other than that.
0: I have a question for you. How do you compare it to Hinata and Kageyama from Haikyuu?
1: I think this is different just because they are actually fighting for the same position. Ah, okay. Uh, mhm. Yeah, in baseball, you really want to be the main pitcher. That's kind of I feel like that's kind of every pitcher's mm-hmm. goal because if you're able, the longer you're able to hold a game out for 9 innings, the better it is for your team and also, you know, you kind of get that I feel that you kind of get that satisfaction of being able to pitch that long. Um, and you get to start more games, whereas a relief pitcher, I feel I feel like it's, they're definitely important, um, but, you know, you get a shorter time period out there, and maybe you don't get to play as much, and so it's a little different, so competing for that position, I feel like it's a little different from Kageyama Hinata, whereas they have to work together literally in every single game, and there's a lot of coordination there, whereas baseball is more kind of a like you know, if the pitcher can really do well, it might be just one versus the other Yeah, teams. that's true, um, that's
0: true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that does make sense. Yeah, because I was really curious on, I was like, in a way they sound kind of similar, but obviously there's the nuance of the sports itself. So the second you said like, well, they're going for the same position and obviously there can, or usually there's like a main pitcher on the field. I'm like, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. that does change up the dynamics quite a
1: bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I think there's a more fierce competition between them because they want to be placed on that roster for the next mm-hmm. game. Um, yeah, whereas Hinata and Kagema have to worry about different things about what maybe the team or the whatever they're going to do together, um, whatever moves they need to do, you know, to beat out the other mm-hmm. teams. So. Do you
0: like the fact mm-hmm. that it was a bit fiercer in that regard? Like the competition felt a little more intense between the two? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it helped that they were very different okay. characters. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in the way that they pitched and then also kind of the uh, their personalities as well so I guess they clashed in a sense just because they're so different and they couldn't really they couldn't see a way of getting along with each other um so you know they would throw insults at each other in their own way so it kind of made it a lot funnier I see mm-hmm. Alrighty
0: then um yeah I don't have any other questions do you have any uh, Agnes for Isabel about this particular one <laughs>
2: nope not at all it sounds really great <laughs>
0: wait and Isabel we trust <laughs>
2: yes alrighty then so
0: uh, Agnes I apologize for poaching (laughs) one of yours
2: no it's okay it's okay it's okay it it gives me good grounds I did find another one okay okay
0: okay, great well we're gonna start off at least with one or actually we should start off with the same question which is how do you feel about this particular trope
2: Uh, I'm kind of conflicted about this trope too just because there's so much anime that's out there that utilize the same trope but they don't do anything different with the trope that makes it feel original. Okay. Um we mentioned like two of them here that do really well. So like for instance we talk about the uh Hinata and um and Kagayama who are unfortunately on the same team and they must learn how to work together. And then we talk about in Ace of Diamonds where it's two people who are constantly battling for the same spot but they must do it in a way that they can improve themselves and then not also bring destruction to the team essentially right, right? yeah <laughs> um and in a way i think that sets the stakes a lot higher for the rivalry but when you compare it to other anime rivalries that exist in the general sphere it gets a bit monotonous and boring because it's always like oh i'm gonna try to beat you oh i'm gonna try to beat you but there's no real consequence to their rivalry that makes up a good dramatic story and as a result they mm-hmm. need to come to like a conclusion like uh, or like some sort of like common ground kind of Uh, similar to the the idea of like the Moriarty situation where like you have two characters but it doesn't feel as natural of them coming to that quote-unquote common ground because now it's all like oh Moriarty's always right Mm -hmm. like he does everything perfectly because he's the villain with twisted ideas and then Sherlock is just like okay whatever you can still be rivals that aren't in the same camp but still like mutually respect each other and that they understand the stakes of their rivalry, right? Mm. Um, So that's why I feel a bit conflicted about this trope, because it can be done well, and then it can just be done as a very common gag trope that everyone just kind of rolls their eyes and moves on from it.
0: Okay, so, with that being said, what is a bad one you would like to highlight? So,
2: a bad one that I wanted to talk about that I already mentioned here, and then a a podcast long, long, long ago in the early days of Girl Talk is the Bakugo and um, uh... I, I really Deku I Deku? My, Deku. Ndeku, thank you. Yeah. My my brain was like Midoriya, but I'm just like wait. I, oh, I this, mean that's also thing.
0: him. Yes, <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's the
2: yeah. same. It's the same person. But I'm just like wait. My brain is not working. I I recently woke up from a nap. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, also as a as a spoiler alert, um, I miss uh I I, ha- I spread some misinformation by saying that Almighty said he's actually not dead in the manga yet. He as Isabel stated correctly, he is currently retired. So that is uh something that I wanted he to clear. is up living
0: here. his best life is what he is. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's living his best life mm-hmm. away from the spotlight. You know, he doesn't have to suit up and be super bulky, he can just be his uh his lanky self and not cough up blood every now and then, right? He probably just um, wants to spend yep, yep. time with the kiddos. (laughs) 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 So the rivalry between Bakugo and Deku is very interesting because it starts off as a bullying one-sided relationship that kind of interestingly echoes certain aspects of also the rivalry between All Might and um, Endeavor in the sense that it's always very one-sided it's always one person that despises or is jealous and envious of another person's talent even though Deku himself is considered talentless Um, and that is considered a crutch in the Boku hero society because most people have a quirk whether or not it is useless right um and as a result I never really understood why fans loved Bakugo and Deku from the very beginning because it shows as a very weirdly abusive codependent relationship that was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Enemies to friends, rivals kind of trope. <laughs> um of course like later on, Bakugo does evolve and become a better person and especially after the conference after um, he w- he briefly became a villain and then became better again. And then when they got his parents on screen too in at, in the manga, I think in the anime as well, things started to smooth over a lot more, and they're on the path to recovery. But I did feel it was very off putting for fans to be so enamored by the rivalry from even the start of season one, like when season one first came out. And I'm just sitting here watching season one for the first time, being like, I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it just feels a bit awkward it doesn't feel like a true rivalry where they respect each other because all bakugo is just being is just a big bully and just kind of kicking deku around until deku decides to save his ass in the first episode and then bakugo is forced to concede like oh he at least does something quote unquote right but it just seems very odd for a faded rivalry relationship
0: I have a question because, you know, I know that at the beginning we think Deku doesn't have a quirk and, you know, that gives him a lot of grief and stuff and Bakugo has one. Like, why was he so mean and envious in that case? Like, at least in the Endeavor versus All Might things, like, okay, All Might's number one. And Endeavor's number two, and that bothers him. But, like, what is there for Bakugou to
2: even be mean about, I guess? It's a little bit weird. Even I don't understand it. I've asked, like, I had his. I have a history of asking my friends in college. I was like, why do you like this trope or this series so much with these two characters when it doesn't really make sense? And even they couldn't give me a full answer either. Really? <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of cornered her and asking her, like, why does Bakugou need a redemption arc? Right, like, why does Bakugo need to have like this whole setup so that he can be forgiven at the end? Like, where does the logic come in? And she kind of seemed a bit like lost for answers. <laughs> so I think it's a it's it's a very interesting reaction from the Boku Hero f- uh, fandom. But to go back to your question about why Bakugo dislikes Deku, it's not in the same as Endeavor disliking. Uh, All Might because of their positions in the hero society, but because Bakugo dislikes the fact that Deku gets a lot of attention because he is quirkless. Oh! That's at least, like, the beginning, like, stream of it in the first, like, season. I never watched past season one because I just... Could not click with Boku Hero at the very end. Um, I but I know a lot of like snippets from friends who've read it, watched it, and then of course you see a lot of spoilers on the internet, so you naturally just kind of piece together the bits. But that was the starting bit was that Bakugo disliked the fact that Deku got a lot of attention by the fact that he was quirkless, and so that's why Bakugo like picked on him. And then afterwards, when he did gain a quirk and became like the disciple of All Might, who is the number one hero. That's why Bakugo also disliked Deku, and then had that really big fight. I think what was that at the end of season three or four, Isabel?
1: Yeah, I can't remember. I I feel like it might have been yeah, probably season three. Yeah, and then from there, duked it out. From there Mm -hmm.
2: on, Bakugo's rivalry with Deku evolved less of the fact that Deku kind of cheated his way through, but also because now they're trying to fight to be the disciple or the person who uptakes the mantle of. All might as the number one hero.
0: I see. Okay. I I have another question. How old were they at the very beginning?
1: Middle school. Yeah, middle school. Also younger because they used to they used to actually be friends. They always show this kind of flashback. Yeah, that's also the like weird part too. <laughs> yeah. Like they're actually really good friends before. Like they it seemed like Bakugo cared about Deku and Deku was um you know, kind of, like, behind a little bit, but Bakugo would wait for him to catch up or something like that. So, yeah, it was weird that that turned into I hate you, and I'm going to bully you. <laughs> yeah, and Dek- Deku kind of just accepts it, too. He's just like, oh, but I didn't mean to do that. And like, I, you know, I, I was like, if Deku had some bite in that, I, I would feel like the rivalry would be kind of a little better. <laughs>
0: okay, because it's like I because the thing is, the setup, I could immediately see the Sasuke and Naruto inspiration, but I was thinking to myself, I'm like Naruto bites back! <laughs> like, like, he just, Naruto, Naruto bites hella
2: back at the at the waterfall scene when he was still uh, like a, Yeah, like the uh, two of them yeah. are like
0: fists flashing, sort of biting back sort of thing, but I'm like if Deku's just accepting it, I'm like that's a victim right there! I
2: don't know if that's a He rival. accepts, it's weird because like he accepts it in seasonally Season one and like most of that weird convoluted bit when they were in middle school and Bakugo truly became a bully and then he finally bites back like three se- three four seasons later and you're like okay man that was a lot overdue that. <laughs> yeah that's why I, that's why I always felt a bit conflicted because I'm like I understand like the the Boku the the My Hero Academia world is so great because it's so interesting and it's very widespread but the character relationships and even the rivalries feel a little bit watered down or not very consistent
0: so, Isabel, like, you know, did you feel, are you aligned with Agnes in this regard? Because I know you like My Hero Academia, but I also know, I think you were the one who mentioned him in our Sundere podcast, specifically a, a bad example of a Sundere, because you're like, I don't think tsundere's are supposed to actually be mean. <laughs> they're just, they're just spiky is all it is. So, um, like, were, I guess, like, did you feel like it took too long for Deku to sort of, like, bite back, like, Agnes was saying <laughs>
1: yeah totally i i thought that bakugo was just really mean i'm like why are you saying all these things i thought y'all were friends <laughs> before and yeah and then just him kind of almost doing like a 360 now he's kind of nice to deku just <laughs> kind so of, it like,
0: feels oh, yeah. wrong again still
1: <laughs> yeah it's i was just like i don't know why and like like you know, agnes like my sister likes bakugo a oh. lot when he we went to japan she's like i'm gonna look for the bakugo t-shirt and i'm like I know you like him, but I don't understand why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Has she described uh, to you why
0: when you asked, like Agnes asked her friend?
1: (laughs) Yeah, she said that she just kind of liked, I think in one of like, I forget which arc it was, but it was kind of like the arc where they were were fighting villains, but also, or it was, they were taking a test or something. And she said it was something like him, like having this growth, like he's finally growing and stuff like that. And I think for me at that time, I was like, I, he does not feel like he's growing to me. He's still kind of mean to Deku, you know, and he's mean to everyone else in the class too. Like, every every time somebody asks him for something, he's always yelling in, in the in the series. Like, you know, um, yeah, just, he just bites back at everyone, honestly. It's, it's just his attitude is so bad.
2: At this point, <laughs> I think we can label Bokugu as the problematic favorite. <laughs> i think a lot of these I'm people, just imagining, I just
0: like, I don't know if there's a meme for this but I'm just imagining like uh, someone pointing at the screen like right there do you see the character development Isabelle's like squinting her eyes he's like no <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can see people being like Bakugo's my baby girl he's my comfort character and I'm just staring at them like bro you're the <laughs> Bruh.
0: meme of that guy with his hand on his hips <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> At the at the like the sports game, and just like staring at the screen, yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's you. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, oh man, poor Bakugo. The other thing I was thinking about is you know this is why I asked you how old they were because I'm like as a kid, you know, as an elementary school kid, I can see why you know bakugo has that sort of jealousy towards deku because of the attention he gets you know kids they don't they don't get it they don't understand that you know they disabled kids because i in a way i almost feel like deku is sort of like a very abled disabled person without his quirk and so uh so it's like they don't get that disabled kids they they have to have more attention simply because of that fact and they get jealous about that and stuff like that but when you said middle school i'm like uh, I feel like around then you should probably start knowing better. At least that was me personally. So, like, in my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, okay. Well, enough about <laughs> enough about that one. So, which is a rivalry uh, then that you did like, aside from Hinata and Kageyama?
2: <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, Hinata and Kageyama is still, like, my number one because it just, it just it's just so organic. It just makes it sense. Feels right. um, yeah. It feels right. It feels right, yeah. And, like, Usually, like in a rivalry, if it's not like a life or death situation, like Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes, right? Because you know, Moriarty dies of Rick and Bike Fall. <laughs> um- the 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 other rivalry that I think works really well in that setting would be Zoro and Sanji from One Piece, mm, okay. and that's because mm. the two of them are considered constantly throughout the whole series. They're considered the right and the left hand man of the future pirate king. This is acknowledged Ooh, in the very okay most recent arc, the Wano arc, where they say that we are the right, we are the hands of the pirate king, right which sets up for a very strong trifecta basis of the straw hat group and it also is reflected a lot in their rivalry from the beginning and onwards too so zoro as we know is like a three um a three three swordsman which is very interesting um and then you have sanji who refuses to fight with his hands because fighting with his hands means that he can't do the art or the cooking that he loves and which is what he was trained to do so he fights with kicks instead and so they constantly have this banter and this argument for i don't know like a thousand plus episodes straight of you know of like oh i'm better than you and then they make like pet names at each other and trying to like one up each other and try to like like goad the other person into doing things that they wouldn't normally do but overall they both have this like amazing vision that even though they have their own dreams like for instance Zoro wants to be the best swordsman in the world Sanji wants to visit the all blue which is an which is an ocean that is an amalgamation of all different types of fish species that exist throughout the world in one spot and also become like a really great chef but they both respect each other so much that they're willing to uh take up each other's burdens if the other one falls. So a great example was in the current Wano arc that showed uh, is currently airing on Crunchyroll, but we're long past that in the manga is that Zoro is incredibly incredibly like wounded in battle. He is on the brink of death as he usually is in these in the series. And um Chopper says like I have a magical medicine that may work, but he has a 50/50 chance of actually living. I can administer it to him, but he will be completely like knocked out. He will be completely like in a coma for like several minutes, and we don't know if this will actually work or not. And as a result, you know, because Zoro is down, he's considered one of the strongest characters in the Straw Hats group. Sanji now has to take up the burden of fighting off two of the greatest enemies of that arc in the same room while kind of like fending off anybody else who's trying to hurt the other straw pirates and making sure that zoro is speeding up his recovery so that he can go back and kill things right so that level of trust in their rivalry even though they're kind of like at each other's heels they're kind of like goading each other on they mutually respect each other to watch each other's backs and bring luffy to the place that he wants to be so that's why i wanted to spotlight them
0: i didn't know they were rivals at all
2: Oh they they're very big rivals. There's a lot of there's a lot of fans that like to speculate as like sexual tension, right? Oh, <laughs> um, in the sense I that um, <laughs> this is
0: that ship. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's that ship, right? I don't quite agree with that ship because I don't see a basis in it. Um but there's a lot of clips on YouTube that you will see where they're just yelling at each other and trying to go at each other on and just being like incredibly petty, but they're very good friends overall. They don't hate each other and they genuinely try to make sure that they keep the team together and keep Luffy to go to places that he's supposed to. I be.
0: see. Okay. I it's cuz uh, it's it's the, your whole thing about how they get shipped a lot actually reminds me of how people really like to ship Izaya and Shizuo from Dora.
2: Yeah, exactly, and they're supposed to be yes, rivals too, I'm like, right? But
0: actually, those two hate each other with like a, a genuine burning passion oh, yeah. of hatred, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's love!" I'm like, "No, no, like <laughs> no."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some fans like um, that.
0: Okay, but in this case, it was just like bro like uh, that sort of fun bromance sort of rivalry and stuff like that
2: yeah it's a fun bromance rivalry and they 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 shoulder a lot and a lot of burdens for Luffy like I talked about how the the greatest anime episode the greatest anime inspiration I have is Zoro you know bleeding out and he tells the crew like like not to say anything to Luffy because he basically saved mm. Luffy's life so that's yeah one of them. that's right that's right and then Sanji, as well, Sanji has like a lot of really great moments, too. It doesn't shine as much as Zoro does because Zoro' is kind of like. The overall power, badass powerhouse that's only second to Luffy. But Sanji has a lot of really good soft skills that keeps the crew together. And he tries to be a good brain cell at keeping the crew together if a woman is not involved. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if there's a woman involved, Sanji is like goo goo gaga, comp- logic is completely out the window, and he is hopeless. I
0: forgot. Is Sanji also the ENFJ in One Piece? <laughs>
2: It's well. It's the it's the joke that was passing around in the community where they're saying that he's the ESTJ with the boys and the ENFJ with Zoro. So I don't really know if he's actually an ENFJ. I know for a fact that Zoro is absolutely one hundred percent an ISTP. Like there is a lot of stuff in there about it, but with Sanji, I could never get a, a grasp about what he actually okay, is.
0: I see. Oh, it's funny you guys say that because he is um, in the MBTI database. His like, number one, most people voted for ENFJ, but his number two is ESTJ, which fits the meme in that case. Yeah, so
2: it kind of like flip flops. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah, funny. yeah.
0: All right. But, uh, Isabel, what do you think of this uh, dynamic?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very different type of dynamic overall, just because, you know, they, they are rivals in a sense, but also they're kind of trying to help Luffy and attaining what he wants, but also what they want at the same time. Um, obviously, I haven't seen all of One Piece. I've only really gotten past maybe the first hundred chapters, which is where he picks up his crewmates uh, one by one. Mm-hmm. And I always do think of them as kind of like the strongest. Obviously, Zoro just kind of... I think Zoro also has a lot of rivalries himself, kind of like with other... He does have a lot of, of rivalries well.
2: with other people, but if I have to be completely honest, a lot of those rival Well, except with his rivalry with Mihawk, who Mihawk is currently holding the number one title. All the other rivalries yeah. in Zoro is kind of like... <laughs> Not <laughs> oh <important>. wow, <laughs> Not <that important>.
1: okay. <laughs> well, that's
2: because like Zoro is so in- stupidly strong that for the most part, a lot of those rivalries are cleared out like within a single instance, so like it doesn't mm-hmm. really like match up or carry the same weight as it does compared to Mihawk, who is the number one pedestal that Zoro wants to overcome and take that position. I see, <laughs> got it.
0: Uh then. So, um is I guess is there any us uh any other thing we want to know about this particular trope or uh you know what we talked about with Sanji and Zoro? <laughs> uh,
1: no nothing for me really. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. Gracie, did you have something to add? Or? Nope.
0: Uh, that's it for me. I unfortunately can't contribute much to this last one because I don't watch One Piece, even though Agnes has been trying very hard, but
2: she has <laughs> I've been, been failing. trying. It's not working. It's
1: not <laughs> working. Isabel, help me. <laughs>
0: I, I think she's learning the whole
1: it's, it's a hard one. I,
0: I think she's learning the whole stubbornness thing. So.
2: I know what it looks like. I already have another ENFJ who's exactly the same way, so I'm like, afraid. Oh that's right. You have multiple ENFJs in your life. So. I somehow ENFJs is supposedly one of the rare personality types in the world, and yet I always find myself in their company anyway, so I'm like, where the f do you guys come from the woodworks? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So, with that being said, thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and our trope dissection. And I hope you'll still be here with us next time when we come back with another fun topic. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.